I'm Quinn Murphy, and this is In My Chair. Suzanne Summers is one of America's most popular and beloved personalities, known to millions as Chrissy Snow from the hit show Three's Company. In a multifaceted career that has spanned more than three decades, she's achieved extraordinary success as an actress, singer, comedian, New York Times bestselling author, Las Vegas Entertainer of the Year, entrepreneur, and lecturer. She's the voice and face of alternative medicine, having successfully beat cancer without the use of chemical treatments. Amazing. She received an Emmy nomination as Outstanding Host for The Suzanne Show. Suzanne is the author of 27 books, her latest, A New Way to Age, which I read. Suzanne lectures all over the world and received an honorary doctorate from National University. Suzanne has an organic and toxic-free skincare line, Suzanne Organics. At 74 years young, Suzanne has never looked better and felt better and attributes her vitality to a diet of only organic and natural foods, yoga, and love of family. I like that. She lives in Palm Springs with her husband, Alan Hamill, with whom she has been with for over 50 years. She also sold over 10 million thigh masters. Suzanne, welcome in my chair. Well, thank you. What a nice introduction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's your life. Yeah. It's exhausting well, we, just we hearing about enough. all you've accomplished. My God. You live long enough and, and it builds up, you know. <laughs> I guess. I feel like you've got a particularly, you know, full bio. Well, I think what I uh, figured out without actually having an aha moment Mm -hmm. is that it's very clear to me that careers in my, our business have highs and lows, ups and downs. You hit the heights and I've hit the heights enough times to recognize when it's starting to uh, go down on the other side. And I know, no, Oh, that's the time to reinvent and go either to the right or the left. And whenever I did that, I kind of followed the flow that my of my journey. And uh, can you, you feel know, it going down, or is it a precipitous drop and you're at the bottom? It's no, uh, uh, no. I never let it get to the bottom. I, it's like you know, I guess the first time I. I I dealt with this was at the height of my success on Three's Company. I couldn't have, I couldn't have done a better job. I couldn't have gotten any more notoriety. I was on an average fifty-five or more national magazine covers every month during those years, and and I understood the opportunity of uh, landing a role on a hit show, and so I understood the um, the 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 importance of branding. Unfortunately, I was working with people who did not. (laughs) And I did did not own Chrissy Snow. But I went to them and my husband went to them several times saying, you know, she's iconic and her clothing is unique and we could do a clothing line and hot pants and and wedge shoes and before people were doing that. Before people were doing that, and I remember the main producers screaming at me saying, this is not about business, it's about the show. And I thought, it's called show business. Right. But anyway, uh, at year six, I was fired for having the audacity to ask for commensurate pay with the men because my contract was up. I had to renegotiate. So you waited until the original contract was up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Which is um, long, six seasons is a long time to wait. Especially when you're on the number one show with the highest demographics of all women in in television at that time, when it mattered. There are only three choices at that time, NBC, CBS, and ABC. And so it it came to me very clearly that the men on lesser shows were making 10 to 15 times more. I'm not a feminist per se. I believe in fairness. Are you not? No, I I believe in fairness. Mm -hmm. And I think... I always felt you get paid commensurate with the amount of tickets you're selling. And I was selling more tickets than anybody. So why are they all making so much more money? And, and was it them putting their feet in the ground saying, well, you're a woman, how dare you? They they didn't dare say that. But then when we asked for, um, you know, to be paid uh, what the highest paid men were being paid, including John Ritter, um, I was fired. So Right before me, Laverne and Shirley had gone in and renegotiated. And I guess they gave, you know, it was Laverne and Shirley. They didn't Two have, women. Right. Yeah. But, but also it was the name of the show was Laverne and Shirley. 
And so they had to give them what they want. And, uh, and I think ABC gave them what I call a colonic. And so when I came along next, um, they were not going to let uh, this, this happen again. And what better to use the number one female star to make an example. So none of the other females in television at that time would have the audacity to ask for parody. And it worked. Suzanne, why didn't you do what they did on Friends and and the three of you go in there and say, we're all three want the same and do it as a all or nothing team? Wouldn't that make sense? But I didn't have two co-stars with any kind of business sense. And John Ritter was already getting, you know, top dollars. Right, right. They didn't like to, they called us, the producers referred to us as the kids. And the kids didn't like upsetting daddy. And so they didn't back me up I, because uh, they had come in the show earlier than me. And I had said in the very last show of the last season I was on, you know, my contract's up this summer. So I'm going to go and I'm going to ask for this. If you guys join in with me, we'll and get fa- oh, favorite. Oh, so you did pictures. give them a heads up yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. All, and, and neither of them, they, they went deaf on me. You know, they, they wouldn't come. So I didn't have that support. So the day before the um, neg- the lawyer's negotiation, my husband gets a call from a friend of a friend at the CFO's office in ABC in New York. And he said, you didn't hear this from me, but they're going to hang a nun in the marketplace. And it's going to be Suzanne Summers. Oh. So the next morning when my husband left, uncharacteristically, he stopped at the front door and looked back at me and he said, you know, this could all blow out of the water. I said, no, we're negotiating. We ask for what we want. They come back, we counter, we all meet somewhere in the middle and then we go on for another six years, which it could have so, so easily. Now at that time, it's hard to believe because it wasn't that long ago, but there were no cell phones. So I'm waiting at home for my husband to come back from the meeting. And there is a way the front door opens when it's good news and there's a way it opens when it's bad news. <laughs> and I heard the door kind of squeak open and squeak close. And then I heard him slowly padding up the stairs. So I met him at the landing and he looked at me and he said, you're out. I said, what do you mean I'm out? He said, you're out. He said, they were going to fire you. When I walked in, it was very clear. They'd already decided. There was no negotiating. They weren't listening to anything that I said. So your husband I, uh, was used to dealing with contracts and the business side of show yeah. business, right? Yeah. Oh, do yeah. you think Very you sad. would have been able to do that if you hadn't had him by your side? Do what? At, have the audacity to ask for equal pay. No, no. That, I, that was my idea. I, I felt very deserving. Okay. I'm a very fair person. And it was like, hey, you know. When you decide to be an actor or an actress, there's no guarantees. If you go to law school, you'll be a lawyer. If you go to med school, you'll be a doctor. If you can study your whole life in acting and never get a job. So when you land one, it's quite a score. And then you got to make the most of it. And uh, we did. That's that's when, you know, I did the USO tours and and, uh, the specials and other people's specials. And I worked with John Wayne and I worked with uh, Sinatra and I worked with Sammy Davis and you name it. I worked with all of them. I had incredible notoriety that, that the show benefited from. Right. So it never entered my mind that they would let go of a, the chemistry of the three of us and B I was, you know, like the magnet to the show. Um, so th- you, you yeah. said that like you can be an actress and, and probably a great actress and never work. How much of the job of an actor is the platform that they are kind of put on versus who they are as the person or the talent, I will say? A lot of things come into play. Right place, right time, right look, right uh, fit of the character to the actor um, and luck. And um, But you bet on yourself over the platform. Because yeah. a lot of like housewives of whatever city, they get kind of a big head and go, okay, I'm leaving. And they don't do anything, right? But yeah. you knew that you had some value. How did you How did you really know that, that you were able to walk away from this big break that made your career? Well, I didn't walk away. I was, I was pushed away. Oh, okay. But I, I'm not a quitter. And, uh, you know, I've written several books about growing up with a violent alcoholic. I learned a lot growing up in that household about survival. Really? And um, yeah, I mean, uh, when I wrote Keeping Secrets, I believe that was in the late 70s, 
um, I was shocked as I wrote it to realize I probably spent more nights as a child sleeping in a locked closet than in my own bed because it was so unsafe in the house. But when you live like that, you either uh, uh, crumble and die like my younger brother or or you get what I call that I got the all show use. So my father would have this litany of you're stupid, you're hopeless, you're worthless, you're nothing, you're a big O. And in my gut, I would think, yeah, well, I'll show you. And I did. And I remember the night uh, it really all came together for me. I was headlining at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas. Big success. We were selling out that huge room twice a night. And um, my parents came and they were in the front row. And I called my dad up on stage to sing him a song. And I thought, um, you know, when the time comes to say, I'll show you, or I told you so you don't need to, it was self-evident. And he was so proud because by that time he had sobered up. And I, I, one of the books that I wrote was the importance of forgiveness Mm. for anyone to stay angry all their life. It means that they, the the victimizer wins. I won because I truly forgave him. I, I, I don't believe anybody grows up thinking when, when I, when I get married and have children, I'm going to abuse my wife and children, make their life a living hell. He had to wake up. Did you find respect for him? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I did. Uh, Alcoholism is a terrible disease and he was powerless over it. And like so many men of that era, it doesn't excuse his behavior. His behavior was, uh, was awful, but he had a real shot. Um, he was on the farm team for the San Francisco Seals, the uh, Major League Baseball team up there. We used to go up and sit at Seal Stadium and watch people like Lefty O'Doul. No one will ever know who that is, but he was like the the Mickey Mantle of the time. Okay. And um, I wouldn't know a, the Mickey Mantle of today, so don't yeah, you know? It's all right. lost on me. <laughs> nor nor I. Although I've become very good friends with Steve Garvey, which is very interesting. Uh, who was the um, Dodgers Hall of Famer? Oh. Anyway, anyway, um, he he got a scholarship to college when people weren't going to college at USF and just fully thought he was going to have one of these marvelous lives. And then as with so many men of that era, world war two came Mm. and those men at the height of their um, window of opportunity were whisked away, uh, forced to join whatever service they, you know, found themselves in. And when they came back, that window of opportunity was gone. The next layer had already filled the spot. So he went from, um, I imagine, thinking he would be, you know, one of the hottest baseball players in America and um, ended up putting cases of beer onto a boxcar for a living. So he was pretty angry and he took that anger and pain away. Did he have PTSD? no, um, well, that's an interesting question. I thought that's where you were going with that, that he came no, back with PTSD. No, but um, he did when he was drinking, he would often talk about it. I had the lousiest job on the ship. What was that? Where the ship comes to a V at the bottom, I guess the very bottom of the, I don't know do about ships, that, that he was loading the bombs. And he right. said, I knew if we got hit that we'd be the first, uh, w- there'd be no getting out. So maybe there was peace. PTSD, but um, he drank alcoholically for 45 years and and then hit his bottom, which he's lucky that he didn't die um, because so many drink themselves into death. And then uh, he went to AA and had one of those turnaround stories. And um, did he he apologize? Yeah, he did. He did. And I accepted it. And um, did you I resent your it. mother for not protecting you? No, she was so um, she was so beaten down. My mother, so much of Chrissy Snow, I pulled from my mother, who mm. had a, a sweetness and a naivete. And she just was not from an era of women who got divorced and you kept the secret, whatever your dirty little secret was. In fact, that was the name of my book, which is a fantastic bestseller, 16 weeks on the New York Times uh, list, and then um, became a movie. It was called Keeping Secrets. 
And that's what we lived. And that was the life that we lived. But it made me strong, really strong. So when I got fired from Three's company, um, I, you can imagine when Alan said, you're out, my heart sank to my feet. And then he took me by the shoulders and he looked at me and he said, we're going to make this work for us. So I'm sitting in my living room one day, kind of feeling sorry for myself. And I heard a voice in my head, which we all hear all the time. We just rarely listen. And it said, why are you focused on what you don't have? Why don't you focus on what you do have? And I thought, what do I have? And then the voice answers back. You have enormous visibility. Everybody in this country knows your name and in most parts of the world. And um, I went but to But did Alan. you come out that way, being like someone who could uh, find the positive in things? Because there, there are people who cannot do that. Yeah. Um, it must have been within me. It must have been my MO that um, needs to It wasn't a muscle you developed. It was like, that's who you are. Uh, well, yes and no. I mean, there are other things that happened. I, I got pregnant as a teenager at 18, and then you had to get married. And I'm married to someone that I, I can't be married to. I don't love him. I had sex once in my life with him, and I didn't even quite know if I had sex. And so I divorced him, and I was the first person I knew of. Uh, to get a divorce. And I was sent away in shame. And, and then it became me and my little boy against the world. And um, at five years old, he was run over by a car and given a 50-50 chance to live. And I mentioned that only because, A, he's 56 years old today and very oh, wow. healthy. But um, he had, after he got out of the hospital, for which I couldn't pay for, I didn't have any insurance the woman who hit him didn't have any insurance. Um, and so you just get hounded by bill collectors. It is a very difficult time of life. And um, I, I, uh, I lost my train of thought for one minute. Where was I going? Well, I was asking you, how do you pull, how do you pull yourself out of a terrible situation? Are you just naturally optimistic? Or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Oh, here's where I was going. So after, uh, he recovered from his injuries. Um, he had terrible nightmares, waking up, shaking, sweating, screaming. I didn't know what to do. So I heard about the community mental health center where they charge you according to your ability to pay. So I took my little boy there and she charged me uh, a dollar a visit. She said, but I'll need to work with you um, in order to work with him. And I said, I'll do anything for him. And after a year, she said, he's okay. He doesn't need to come anymore. He's not having the nightmares. He feels safe. You've been a good mother. She said, you, I'd like you to stay. And I said, why? She said, you have the lowest self-esteem of anyone I've ever met. Wow. And so over the next three years, this woman literally, uh, I would say, saved my life, reparented me, gave me uh, the strength, gave me uh, 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 self-esteem uh, she kept congratulating me for how well I've done. I, I had done it with in an intolerable situation, and I think all that, all that way back then, set me up to have the frame of mind to be able to write all these books that I write. They they pour out of me. I've got three in my head right now. Uh, I, I, I'm just. It's, it, it's, it's, I think everything happens if you follow the journey of, of, of the life that you are supposed to be living, you make the right choices for yourself. And so I like the choices that I've made over the years have all worked out. I realized that I succeeded everything that I do because I don't do anything half-assed. Mm. And, um, you Does know, that I've, girl who slept in the, in a locked closet, is she ever pop her head up and uh, is that still with you? No, today. not anymore. Not anymore. Only with empathy when I see it happening to other people. But uh -huh. I, oh my God, the life that I've lived and the, the work that I've done. They say, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I love my work, all the facets. I love entertaining, love, love my Vegas career, love lecturing, love writing books. Did you love, love when you were at the top of your career, season six, 55 covers a year? Was that the best time in your life because you were the most successful then? 
it was the best time in my life at that point. I, uh-huh. I, I so you were able to enjoy it. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people I, go, "Oh, I was the most unhappy I've ever been when I got no. my Oscar." You know that kind of thing. <laughs> no, no, uh, that's the only thing I don't have is an Oscar, um, and I'm you not unhappy one? about it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no one cares you know, so about it anymore of, anyway. So much of my uh, life is also about I I married the right person once I found the right person. Ellen Hamill was the right person for me. And uh, I love every day with him. I, I'm so, I live in gratitude all the time, just thanking the God of my understanding for um, the fact that we found each other. I feel like we've known each other in other lifetimes, not to get weird or anything, but yeah. the day I met him, I knew him. I knew him. Do you so, think you had to go through hell to actually be able to see what that looked like? I don't know. I, I, you know, I hope it's not that hard for everybody to see the light. That's what I try to write about in my books of, um, you know, whether it's health, if it's health related, I always say, pay attention to the language of your body. It's talking all the time. If you're itching, if you're in a bad mood, if your hair is stringy, if your skin is dry, those are all, that's all a body language. And, um, in in terms of emotions, uh, uh, pay attention to those emotions and see the part that you played in the drama of your life. Mm. You know, when you're in therapy, um, it's it's about um, uh, seeing the part you play in the drama of your life and demanding that people treat you the way you want to be treated. Because when you're a child of violence or a, a child of addiction or a child of an alcoholic or any of that. Um, somehow you think it's your fault. And I did too. I just kept thinking if I could be a better daughter, he wouldn't have to drink so much. And what I realized was that um, I, 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 I had nothing to do with his disease. What I learned from his disease was to survive. And then later on in life, when I screwed up and we all do, and you make mistakes, uh, it taught me to see what did I do to bring this about? So there's a lot of accountability. And um, and then the other thing I realized as a celebrity is that nobody is better than anybody. We all just have different jobs. And I saw so often in our business, people that started out naive and humble, starting to think really that they were the cock of the walk, you know, better yeah. than everybody. And it's so unattractive. I can name names, but I wouldn't because that's not cool of me. Right. But I could I too, and I won't. But I yeah. agree. I know exactly what you mean. And also, yeah. I think less and less these days that you can get away with that. I think that yeah. p- the world is so small now that everybody knows who's a pain in the ass and everybody yeah. knows who they don't want to work with, and it catches up with you. Yeah. And there's so much content now that the when I was on um, Three's Company and also Step by Step, uh, still, uh, it was just about the three networks. There still w- wasn't social media. So the spotlight was on whoever were the uh, most popular stars of these shows. That doesn't happen anymore. I don't even know who's on television anymore. There's well, yeah, no it was names. like all the white guys in the boardroom could decide everything because there was no other outlet to, yeah, to be yeah. on, right? I, I, and I don't even know, uh, I, I don't know any, I don't know any of the names of people on television. Oh, and, I don't either. You know, this pandemic, we've all watched so much television. I don't know who those people are. Some are good, some aren't, but nobody jumps out like, wow, this yeah. is uh, the it, the person with the it factor. I was always, and don't take this personally, I always knew I was a Janet. You know, I'm a brunette. <laughs> I just saw her spunky thing and I was like, I knew I would never be a Chrissy. So I, I always identified with Janet, you know. Um, also, well, she had fun. <laughs> Mr. Roper, I mean, there's something like kind of gay about him, right? I mean, it's funny because he was the one who was really against Jack being gay yeah. with two women, but his outfits, I mean, they were gay as Christmas. Yeah, but our wardrobe guy was gay and Norman had no sense of any fashion or anything. So it could have been the way they dressed him, uh, but he was certainly homophobic. No, no doubt about that. In the show or in real life? um, Well, in in the show, I never questioned if it was in real life. Uh I don't think so. I think when you're in show business, um, you're not homophobic because we all work together and get along great. And. My best friends, uh, <laughs> my best friends are gay. But, I know, but uh, aren't also to explain to like the general population, there's so many gay people in Hollywood. 
yeah actors yeah. too i yeah, mean it's, it's like half and ha- at least half and half right at least so and then there's like three then people who've pa- actually come out yeah and i live in palm springs which is a gay town it's that you know for the me gays and the grays yeah yeah we call it the gay 90s you gotta <laughs> be gay or 90 <laughs> 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 That's so funny. I don't think I actually, I need to go to Palm Springs. I've never been, but I don't think I like the desert. I've, I've been oh, in yeah? the desert other places. And I think viscerally, there's just, I feel like I'm just too pale. Like I need to be in shade, you know? Oh, <laughs> but I'm going to come. I'll come and knock on, come and knock on your door for the bad <laughs> joke. Um, so you ended up like, let's fast forward here. You got a diagnosis of having cancer. Uh-huh. I mean, this is just kind of straightforward, but I've always wondered, what does it feel like to think that you are going to die? Or did you think you were going to die? No, it, it didn't enter my mind. I, I just rejected that notion. I, um, but I didn't see the Were you wisdom. in denial? Like you no, just were like, I'm not going to go there? I had too much to live for. I was too happy. I just... Um, I realized I had to do what I had to do. And mm-hmm. um, the thing about breast cancer is uh, it never really goes away. It lies in wait. Cancer is uh, tricky and cunning. And that's why I've taken health and food and organic food and growing my own food so seriously, because I'm fighting an enemy within that hasn't you know, reared its ugly head in 20 years, and I'm never going to let it. At, but at the time, the only uh, remedy was strong chemotherapy with very poor results. You know, uh, in the big picture, only a few extra months of life and a tortured extra few and months. Especially of life. for breast cancer, the results were not very yeah. good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I decided to uh, do it through food, sleep, uh, positive thinking, love in my life. Um, and gratitude. And you put those five things together. It's a pretty, pretty potent combination. And but um, Suzanne, you didn't do any Western medicine. I did do radiation at that time, something I probably wouldn't do today, but I, I don't know, everything's different today. Uh-huh. And maybe, maybe they've advanced more, but the radiation just caused great radiation damage. And um, that kind of never goes away. But you seriously and- think that those attributes that you just named can be cancer? I do. I think what you see, the brain believes everything you tell it. So if you say to your brain, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to die, then the brain goes, okay, we're afraid we're going to die. Or if you're angry, the brain goes, okay, we're angry. But if you constantly feed that brain positive thoughts, not bullshit, of I love my life, I love my husband, I'm so grateful for the life that I have. Everybody I meet, I say something in my brain of what I'm, the energy I'm getting from whoever or whatever is in front of me. I think it's very potent. And then by feeding your body uh, as perfectly as I can figure out, and I know a lot about it, um, uh, I, I have a very, very strong immune system. And even this year, I had a terrible accident this year. I um, first fractured my hip, And then while that was healing, I was waiting on the top stairs of our bedroom, and there's about 20 stairs down, waiting for my husband to come out and walk me down. And he took my hand and his foot hit a boulder and he slipped on it. He went down and I fell down on top of him. He wasn't hurt, but I broke my neck, my back, refractured my hip and um, fractured my jaw, that whole right side. Whoa. Um, and uh, that was very, very serious uh, surgery and months in bed. And um, did you get depressed? No, that was where I was going with this. I didn't allow that. And it's not, again, it's not BS. It's, um, wow, I, I saw the depth of Alan's love for me, the way he took care of me. He did everything. And I mean, everything for me. He lifted me up. He uh, helped me, uh, you know, in the bathtub. He helped me in the shower. He washed my hair. He helped me get dressed. He he helped me do everything. And he was so tender. And he went to bed with me because he can work from bed with his, you know, laptop. And uh, I just was always with him. And then the pandemic hit and nobody was going out anyway. You were missing out on much. 
Yeah, I know. Were you so were I, you on painkillers? Of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, I who am uh, anti pharmaceuticals, but when you need them, you need them, and when exactly. you need them, they're a godsend. You cannot have a broken neck and a broken spine and not take painkillers. So, Suzanne, can I respectfully push back on something? Sure. Mm-hmm. I understand that everything you said is aspirational, and if I ever got anything, I would love, and I'm not sure I could, to have that frame of mind. But mm-hmm. somebody listening might say, you know what? My mother was that person and she still died, you know? Right. What do you think about that? Like there are people who are positive and love life and do it and they didn't get that hand. Yeah, I guess it's um, uh, different strokes, luck of the draw, whatever. Um, but for you, the, yeah. the, the, and, it the ain't men- o- and it, ain't, it ain't over either. Like, uh-huh. you know, I, don't know, I don't know what's down the road, but I can't even imagine. I see uh, a, a good... 20 more years and then I'll negotiate. I, every day without like planning it, I I find myself saying to myself, I have everything to live for. And I do. I, I, my career isn't even over. My career is in a resurgence that is phenomenal. I do these three Facebook live shows a week and, um, the it, it is so popular and i realize that women in particular but most of us don't like to drink alcohol alone so at five o'clock on mondays and fridays i have um have a tequila with suzanne and alan mm. and um they come uh, they come from the tens of thousands to the hundreds of thousands we've had them in the millions it depends on, you know, the right day, the right timing, everything. But uh, I love talking to them, teaching them. They ask me questions. They all want to know about hormones. I know yeah. I know a lot about hormones. I, I know so much that two weeks ago, I was the keynote speaker for um, a global seminar of 3,000 doctors uh, to teach them what I know about uh, bioidentical hormones. And uh, it was a, a very active. Um, I want to, I want to ask you about this because I'm interested in it too, mainly testosterone, but, um, Uh I, I understand why you're passionate about it from your personal experience, having cancer. And I understand that it is kind of probably very stimulating and rewarding to learn about it. Why would you choose to publicly put yourself in the line of fire by coming out and saying, this is what I believe when you know that you're going to have the a medical community or media or press come after you. Because what was being said in my books was not being said by me. I, my, the template of my books are interviewing the best and the brightest and most cutting edge. It's smart. I, I, I did. I do have to congratulate you on that, that you interviewing the doctor is a really clever and smart way to put those ideas out. Yeah, because I'm us and doctors are not good at communicating. And so I would, with each doctor, probably spend 60 or more hours working on their individual piece, calling them back. When you said this, did you mean that? I want to get this right. And then I gave each doctor, scientist or professional um, approval over their piece so that no one could say, I didn't say that. I, I let them line line edit themselves so that it was absolutely accurate. I've never been called on anything in any of my books. Now in the public, I'm easy to pick on Chrissy Snow. You're going to learn, you know, medicine from her. But what I felt was, especially in the hormone area, bioidentical, meaning biologically identical to the human hormone, an exact replica of what our bodies once made or still make a little of that. Nobody had the backs of women. And so women were starting to experience uh, uh, severe bodily changes and and getting no help from their doctors because it wasn't something that was focused on in medical school because we weren't supposed to live this long. But what coincided with my writing the books was life extension. And they have learned through allopathic and uh, integrative and alternative medicine, we have learned how to extend life. But what I wrote about was the quality of life in that life extension. So what's the good of living to be 90 and 100 years old if you're decrepit and frail and and your bones are turning to powder and you have no sex drive and you have no juice? And I found um, 
and it was controversial when I uh, started taking hormones because I had breast cancer. Um, and I recognized that the reason I had breast cancer was because I had imbalanced hormones. Which you would only know now if you got a certain type of test, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, You're not saying like everyone in the world should be on this many milligrams of estrogen and this no, much. No, no, just, no. Right. It's no. specific to the yeah. person. Individualized. What I need is different from what you need is what's different from the next person. So is it and only so, attainable from rich women in Malibu? Not at all. In fact, what I offer in the backs of my books are um, websites, particularly to life extension, where you can get the lab work done at, at very reduced prices by using um, my um, the, the information I put in the back of the book. And then when the your doctor has to prescribe it, so you have to find a qualified doctor, but that's what I try to do in the backs of the books uh, city by city, who's where. Mm-hmm. So when I first started interviewing doctors for this, I could only find 30 in the entire country who are versed in this. Now there are hundreds of thousands, probably in the millions now, because it's so clear that if we're going to live longer, you've got to replace the worn out parts. And the first thing that wears out are hormones for men and women. And so uh, there's a better way for men to become hormonally uh, restored than taking Viagra. One of the, uh, one day a doctor, Abraham Morgenthaler called me out of Harvard and I, I've known him from the conferences I go to. He said, I've got something interesting for you. And I said, what? He said, I, I just finished a, a small but significant study here at Harvard uh, that men who came in uh, to my office with prostate cancer, and he said, it didn't matter how high their PSA was. Or he said, uh, I treated them all the same. I took their lab work and saw their testosterone deficiency. And I would replace in them the exact amount of testosterone that they needed to level off. He said, the male prostate is like a female breast. And in our ducts, in our breast as women, we make milk. But in the ducts of the prostate is where testosterone makes food for sperm. So when you're young, that prostate's nice and tight and small. But as you age, your prostate prostate starts looking for the missing component, which is testosterone. And that's why your your, um, prostate enlarges. Dr. Morgenthaler felt when he gave these men back the testosterone, the prostate said, thanks, and and closed up again and um, got back to being nice and tight and small. I thought, what a what a boon for men to learn this. And all the men who get their prostates ripped out by doctors who think, just remove the evidence. Well, when you've had cancer and you remove the evidence, that doesn't mean that rogue cells haven't fallen off and are starting their nasty work in another part of the body. Right. Now, the same thing happens with women. And if I had known this way back when, I would have seen it in myself. We, we make estrogen every day of the month, and then we make progesterone 15 days of the month. Estrogen is carcinogenic, but nature in its wisdom comes in at the height of the, the 12th day and starts pouring progesterone, which is anti-carcinogenic. So you get all the benefits of the, you know, the estrogen, which, you know, gives you your, your softness, your breasts, your, your femininity. And then the progesterone comes in on day 13 and uh, uh, knocks it down. When you don't know that you're low on progesterone, a, you get moody, you gain weight and maybe um, that's my problem (laughs) down the road. (laughs) Well, men, men have estrogen and progesterone too. Down the road, um, this imbalance can and often leads to uh, cancer, in particular breast cancer. And now when I look back on how I looked at that stage, uh, it was very clear. I just needed progesterone, but I didn't know that. Suzanne, my friend's father got cancer and they put him on estrogen to slow down the cells in his body, right? Well, so I'm afraid uh, I'd love to take testosterone for, you know, kind of like a myriad of gay reasons, but like, you know, build up your muscles and have this, all of that and whatever, but I'm afraid to get cancer. Well, first of all, um, you need a lab work to show that you are testosterone deficient. 
I know that's and the for problem. Your age, your age and your height and all that, it'll be very clear if you're deficient. Then if you're with a qualified doctor, he will give you testosterone, just what you need. And that's how you keep cancer at bay. It's right. imbalance that causes the disease. The body is a system and it works on balance. But and don't so you think like when I was a teenager, like I, I was just so off the walls. Like I, if I had that sex drive in my life now, I wouldn't get anything done. <laughs> you know, I'd be masturbating seven times a day and like, you know, in <laughs> places like your friend's bathroom that you just like, excuse yourself. Like, am I supposed to be like, isn't there a nap? Isn't something natural about n- not doing that? So then you can maybe work on other parts of your personality. I think uh, who knows why the sex drive is so uh, intense in our early years, but it's because we're just discovering it at that age. And so that's all you want to do or think about. But, um, I, you know, a, a sexual person is a healthy person. What's the last thing you feel like doing when you're not feeling well? And so if you have a sex drive, um, that's a real good sign. If oh, I, I love do, it. I, I think you, it's all good. I just don't know if it's going to be productive. I don't know if I could keep doing my podcast. Well, (laughs) you will. (laughs) Do do, do they ever give men the pellet? Yeah. 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 A lot of men don't absorb the cream or the gel. You start out with cream or gel. And if you're not getting your levels up, then you're one of these that doesn't absorb it well. And then you either get the pellet. Although I don't believe in the pellet myself. Really? From what I've learned about with the doctors, because. Boy, for people who don't know, I've worked with a hairstylist who went on testosterone testosterone because she was aging. And then she just talked about it all day. And by the end of the day, I was like, sign me up, you know, but um, they put a little Tylenol chip in the side of your hip. And it basically is, uh, what do they call it? Sustained release Mm -hmm. of testosterone throughout the day. Well, but she got uh, horny. And she also said that her private parts got a little larger. That's that's uh, one way. If that's working for her, then it's working for her. My feeling, <laughs> my feeling about a pellet is that our hormones never pour all at once, once a month, and last for thirty days. They they, uh-huh. they they are released in increments all throughout the day, all throughout the day, all throughout the day. And so, by uh, the way, it's mostly done is you put on your cream in the morning and you put it on at night to keep it, um, you know, pumping through your body 24 hours a day. So they're just different ways. And if, it, if the palate works, uh, then, and she feels good, great. It's not how nature, I like to copy nature. Right. And so that's not how nature did it or does it, but if it works for her, then it works for her. Is all of this just perfectionism and anxiety and obsessing about death? Like, are you, is there, is it a way for you to try to control what is uncontrollable? No, I think that um, I have educated myself for a reason to have a better quality of life. I'm not, I don't live in fear. Mm. I live, I live um, to get the most out of every day and go to bed at night thinking what a great day it was. And so it's just a, a different mindset for me, but it was ne- it's never been about fear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I believe in there's, we've been here before and we'll be here again. So death for me, isn't dead. So I you're not like, afraid. You're not afraid to die. I don't want to, I'm not ready to, um, I, I like I said, I I'm having too much fun and I can't imagine leaving my husband. Right. <laughs> he right. Couldn't live with, he couldn't live without me. <laughs> well, if I end up getting testosterone, I'm going to, um, let you know about how it goes. All right. Because I, I have a feeling I'm not going to I'm not going to um, qualify. You know, I'm still pretty healthy. Yeah. Um, you wrote I mean, on, on page 33 of your book that you yeah. are in charge of your outcome. Yeah. But in some way, I mean, yeah, we're in charge of our thoughts and we can choose the way we want to think. But I find that sometimes people get on the other end of the spectrum, or it's almost like Scientology or something where it's like, you can control your future and you are in charge. And I find a lot of life. We're not in charge at all. Well, I think life is all about the choices we make. And when I lecture, I always Mm -hmm. say, 
when you go to bed at night and that that time when the lights are out and you're falling asleep, uh, make an imaginary list in your head and put a line down the middle and go through all the choices you made throughout the day. And which of those choices leads you towards uh, a healthy quality of life paradigm or away from it? And I always say, you'll be surprised how many choices you make all day long that are away from it. Processed food, fast food, um, uh, ju- judgmental, anger, you know, all these things. But if you, during the day, um, choose positives, whether it be food, thought, uh, you know, all those things that I, that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, I think that's how you can control your outcome by the choices that you make. You know, think about, I was thinking about Tiger Woods the other day. Here he had this big comeback, major comeback. And uh, I, I watched him at this golf tournament and there he was and back in his full Tiger power and his little boy, you could see is going to be, you know, just a, an extension of him. He was out there playing golf with him. He's so happy, so proud. And then Tiger, it turns out, he gets in this accident where he's driving, I think it was in Laurel County, but I could be wrong, at at twice the speed limit. So that's around 90 miles an hour. And you know those roads. Turns, yeah. And and I I heard yesterday, I could be wrong, that he was also texting. And I thought, as he's lying in bed with all his injuries, he's got to realize I made some pretty stupid choices that day speeding, texting, not paying attention. And here I'm paying the price for it. That's an extreme, but I'm just saying, um, pay attention to the choices you make throughout the day. Well, it's accountability. It's the ultimate accountability, right? It's it's training your brain to think about your life in terms of, of choices and accountability. Yeah. 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 I want to ask you, um, what is it like? I mean, you're, you're, it's undisputable your beauty, right? And I, I have a client who's also, I think one of the most beautiful women in the world. And she said, another woman who was like a supermodel, most beautiful said, you know what? It's really hard for beautiful women to age. Mm. Um, And I'm saying that from a, a standpoint of not that your husband thinks you're less beautiful or that when you look in the mirror, you're less beautiful, but there is a reality of society. You're not going on the call anymore for the, you know, Chrissy Snow role. Or want it. Right. But I never, but let's say I said I never, like I was never the beautiful blonde. Um, if you had it, if you had that level of beauty, how do you deal with the fact that everybody, that you're going to age? You know, honestly, I never looked at myself that way. Now, when I look back on pictures, I go, what? I just, I, I would get around Jacqueline Smith and Farah at that time. And they were the beauties. I, I always kind of, uh, it was all about my talent. I, I could usually out act, out sing, out dance, out anybody. That's, that's where I got my uh, kudos for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I knew how to put myself together, but something about I'm 74 now. And I really thought at 74, I, I am chronologically old but I'm not old. And I think it's the way I've been taking care of myself. Even in this last year, they're all uh, like amazed at how I've bounced back. I'm not bouncing yet, but from yeah. such a terrible accident. Um, I, I, I like the way I look at this age a lot. My body uh, has held up because I've done yoga every other day for 19 years. So it's in a good shape. And um it's not what I'm about. I love being sexy, which is different than beautiful. I love being glamorous, which is different from being beautiful. I love getting dressed up. I love wearing earrings and high heels and gloves and tight, shapey dresses. And that's kind of my Do you like getting at- attention from the op- from the opposite sex or the sex that you're into. Lo- love it. But particularly in this town, because mainly gay and, and you get... Uh, more attention from gay guys than straight guys because right. they all love your outfits and want your shoes. <laughs> I'm living in the perfect they place. They want to be you. <laughs> well, it's not a bad thing to be. <laughs> I tell that to my granddaughter all the time, you know. Um, she's so talented. And I go, you know, uh, 
when opportunity comes, don't walk away from it because it's a, if you feel ready, it's a fun, fun way to make a living if you are, if you make it, but you may not too. It's, if, you no lo- if you lost it all tomorrow, you're, you lost your fortune, you lost your home and had to live in, you know, a modest little house, would you still be happy? Mm-hmm. I would. I would. Really? Yeah. As you get older, um, uh, and I've heard that before and I never knew it. Um, you don't want things, stuff. I just, I look at the people we hang out with and everybody wants what we have, what Alan and I have, you know, every night at five o'clock, we go to our bar and we have a tequila. Two of those nights I have my shows, but the other nights are for us. And it's, we look at each other and go ready for the date. And we know what the date is. And uh, we listen to music and um, we talk and we laugh and sometimes we dance. And it's a very romantic, glamorous life that we have created. And then after we have our cocktail, we go down to the kitchen and I usually make some amazing dinner. You know, nine of my books were cookbooks and um, we're living our best life. Sounds and like it. It, it is. And I, I um you know, coming from a whole family of alcoholics, my mother went to Al-Anon and um, what she learned at Al-Anon as a non-drinker was by example, others will want what you have. And so by example, the relationship that Alan and I have, I hope people want what we have. And if they ask me, it's the equation is simple. The reason we get into a relationship in life is because we want attention. And we want attention from this specific person that turns you on. Alan and I give each other a lot of attention, a lot. And that's why when I you know, was on my back this year, uh, it was just a different kind of attention he was giving me. But it was loving and caring. And at night, he rubs magnesium foam on my legs to take the pain away. And I usually get a butt rub while he does it. <laughs> oh, God, can I come over? Um, but do you think he ever get on your goddamn nerves and you just are like, get out of the kitchen, I'm trying to cook, or like, I just want you out of my space right now? You would think, and maybe because we got it out of our systems in the first 10 years. In the first 10 years, we went through the ordeal with a capital O of combining families. He had two children, I had one, and no kid wants a new parent. And there were no rules at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, we learned by, by, uh, by um, doing it badly. And then you'd realize that's not working. And um, we, that took about 10 years. And we argued during those years. And we never, ever argue anymore. So at this stage in our life, we've had, I'll, if, if I died today, I, it wouldn't be tragic because what a life, what a career, what a marriage, what a family. Uh, I, that's why I just want more of it. But um, I have no regrets over anything. You don't um, have any regrets in life. Yeah, one. And that is that I did not nurse my baby. But what, when you have a baby, when you're a teenager, I didn't even know what nursing was. And there was so much shame around my pregnancy that no one talked to me, including the doctors. And they, they brought my baby to them and said, are you nursing? And my sister was there and she said, ah, well, that's just for cows. So they gave me a dry, dry up shot. And two weeks later, I remember having the most overwhelming urge to nurse him. And I was not able because we had dried up my milk. As a result, he's had lots and lots of allergies throughout uh-huh. his life. you know. And I think probably had I been able to nurse him, he wouldn't. So that is my regret. Uh, but it was out of ignorance. I just didn't know. Uh-huh. So I don't beat myself up over it. Well, that's a, that's not a bad, you know. Yeah, I can think yeah. of worse ones that are more emotional. Yeah. Um, what's believe the big, me, what I've is, made mis- believe me, I've made mistakes. Uh, what and- is the biggest misconception about you? Hmm. Well, you know, uh, it's changed from chapter to chapter. I'm enjoying um, right now uh, this. Um, acceptance, not only in this country, but globally. I was in Israel last spring, had the privilege of having a private meeting with uh, Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. And he said to me, I know all about the books. He said, but I've been watching you for 25 years. I said, what do you mean? He said, for the longest time in Israel, we only had one television station and we only had one 
sitcom. And I had been wondering why uh, I I was getting that look in Jerusalem, you know, because I'd never been there before. So that that I understood. Um, he was very respectful and people are very respectful to me in this chapter. I think when you hit your 70s and um, you have a life you're proud of, um, people don't resent you for having it. When you're young and you've got everything, people think, well, good for you. <laughs> right. So um, I, I guess the misconception early on uh, was in our business. Uh, I did the role of Chrissy Snow so well that people actually thought I was dumb, but I just played dumb. So, you know. Yeah. I, and after that, I've, I've just never obsessed about it. It doesn't. It doesn't mean anything to what they think of me. It's what I think of me. Is and the industry I, better today? Is the industry better? Um, I don't know. I'm not really in it. When I got fired, not one woman came to my aid. Not one woman spoke up on my behalf. They're probably all afraid. And I understand that. But when we decide to do it our way, we decided we would never work for anyone ever again. Now I did do step by step for seven years. But it, I didn't need the job. If it, if it ended tomorrow, I was fine. I was really liking it, but I was writing books and I was doing nightclubs on the weekend and uh, doing tours in the summer. And, um, and I you was, had the thigh master. And I had the thigh master, right? Before Pilates, there was the thigh master. <laughs> you know? Yes, it sold over 10 million of those in the uh, first couple of years. Darn it. Yeah, it was pretty I, my, my friend's mom had one and we would always just, you know, do a couple pumps. I, it, uh, in getting uh, through this um, this uh, bad accident I had, I've been using the Thigh Master a lot. We still sell them all over the world. I saw it on your website. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Suzanne, I always wrap up with this one question, and then I'd like to play a short game with you. But um, okay. if you were able to go back in time and visit yourself somewhere, where would it be and what would you say to yourself? Wow. Heavy. Um, hmm. I, I, I don't know. See, because I, I was going to say I would go back to that childhood and try to make more sense of it, but I have. I've written three books about it. That's why I. Mm -hmm. But you didn't that. know it then. I didn't know it then, and I didn't know that I was going to use it to make me so strong. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have a good answer for you other than, is there anyone you would go back and if you could tell your brother or somebody in your life, anything, like there's never been anybody's life. I trade mine for no, I but if you could give someone advice, if you were able to give anybody advice going back oh, in time, well, my younger brother, uh, who died, he was so emotionally beaten down by my father that at age 12, he stopped talking. Had I known more at that time, because I was only a few years older than him, I would have uh, understood the dire straits he was in. Mm. And then he started drinking and using drugs shortly after that. That's how he got through um, the next probably 20 years of his life. So I probably would help him. Hmm. Do you have time for a game? Okay. Okay. So this is a choice. Koku 10 or vitamin D? Oh, that's a terrible choice. One's energy and one's for the four most important systems in your body. Hmm. Which one's I say energy? Right, right uh, CoQ10. Okay. Right now, if I had to choose, I'd take the vitamin D3. Okay. And why is that? Because it supports your heart, your brain, your immune system, and your endocrine system. And it's also, um, uh, is very, by, by supporting those four systems, uh, it gives you great protection from COVID. Oh, you know what? My doctor also told me to take vitamin D for protection from COVID. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Um, Malibu or Palm Springs? Mm, Palm Springs. Weights or cardio? I think weights because I'm Dane. <laughs> um, it's all about definition <laughs> oh yeah thigh master or thigh bones oh thigh master 
You can't have great thigh bones without a thigh master. <laughs> exactly. You were like before Pilates with that one. You betcha. You betcha. <laughs> Come and knock on my door or let yourself in. <laughs> well, I had great success with come and knock on my door. <laughs> okay. There we go. And someone let themselves into your home recently and that wasn't so great. <laughs> no, but lucky for me, he was uh, naked. So oh, I could good. See I hope so you got I pictures. See- well, I... I- Unfortunately, no, but I could see that he did not have a weapon. He had a little bikini something on in the dark, in the cold and flip flops hiking. And you could see he wasn't on testosterone. So (laughs) clearly yeah. (laughs) if he had knocked on the door, maybe you could have helped him out. Okay. We're going to play true or false. Okay. Number one, two other pilots were made before they got it right for three's company. Yes. True. That is true. That on the first true. attempt, MASH writer and producer Larry Gelbert wrote a Three's Company pilot script resembling Man of the ha- Man About the House. True. Yeah. Okay. True or false? John Ritter's character originally was named David Bell. False. That's true. Really? Wow. Yeah, that was the original name till they changed oh, it. Wow. Jack Tripper is a much better name. Totally. True or false? That- Billy Crystal auditioned to play Jack Tripper. False. That's true. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. They, uh-huh. uh, Crystal found employment on another ABC comedy a short time later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah right. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He, he would have been good also. Totally. Um, Jack Ritter and Joyce DeWitt met both while young actors with small roles on soap operas. True or false? False. That is false. uh, The first time the three main cast members met was on the first day of shooting. Correct. Yes. True. Wow. Is that unusual? Um, Well, it was the first time I'd ever auditioned for a series, so I had no frame of reference. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. The theme song was composed by the same man who wrote the theme songs for Sesame Street and The Electric Company. True or false? True. That is true. Joe Rep. Joe Reposo. Reposo. Right. Okay. True or false? The cast of Three's Company, Ritter, Duet, and Summers, sang the theme song. That's false. <laughs> Did you? Is it true that you guys attempted to sing the theme song and it got it got canned? No. Uh, I. I. The the theme song was established when the oh, show. Oh. Okay. Um, it says Richard Klein, the actor who plays Larry, was originally a one-time character, but fans adored him so much he was made a regular. True or false? Yes, true. Okay. The brunette that Jack looks at before falling in the opening credits is Joyce DeWitt. False. Who was it? Suzanne Summers. Yes. Wow, you're really good <laughs> at this. You seem to be an expert, <laughs> at least about, you know, the first five seasons. That- <laughs> so they put a they put a, a brown wig on you. Yeah, they were they they were uh, cheap from beginning to end. So that that was their way of getting that actress without having to pay her by just sticking a wig on me. Oh, <laughs> they were ahead of their time, I guess, or yeah, in, in the dark ages. <laughs> yeah, uh, true or false? Jeffrey Tambor played three different characters on Three's Company. False. That's true. Oh, really? Yeah. I bet it was after I left because I don't remember him being a guest star at all. Oh, okay. True or false? Summers left the show because she wanted to be paid more than Ritter. No, I wanted to be paid. Uh, well, yeah, true. True. No, it's false. I, I thought you wanted to be paid the same as Ritter, not more well, than. That's what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Summers asked for an increase from 30000 to 150000 per episode, Ritter's salary at the time, as well as 10% of the show's profits. Yeah. Uh, that's oh. fair, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, no, you should have gotten more because you have to uh, have more for hair and makeup and, you know, you bet. <laughs> clothes for press. There you go. Priscilla Barnes enjoyed every minute of her three seasons on the show and thanked the producers for offering her the platform. True or false? True. False. Priscilla Barnes had stated that the producers were controlling and she often got in trouble for small things such as her hair being too blonde. 
Oh, wow. Didn't have a fun time on that show. I mean, you're a hard one to replace, so. Oh. And finally, someone saw Jack's privates in an episode, and it was too late for Nickelodeon to edit it out. (laughs) Um, That's false. That is false, because in March of 2001, a viewer claimed that a certain private part of John Ritter's anatomy was briefly visible in the episode titled The Charming Stranger. The complaint was taken seriously enough that Nickelodeon did edit it out, and it was uh, edited out for all future episodes. In response to the controversy, Ritter famously said, I've requested that Nickelodeon air both versions, edited and unedited, because sometimes you just feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much Suzanne you actually you're probably one of the foremost experts on Three's Company so (laughs) I wonder how that happened (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've seriously taken consideration of having my blood work done and seeing how it comes out and following some of the um, things about your book so once I get everything together I'm going to look into that feel free to call me anytime I will I know what I know (laughs) I got I your back. It. Thank you so yeah. much. Have Thanks, a great day. Friends. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.